Are you glad you came? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's worth a little traffic problem. That's worth some parking hassles. And I am so proud that you're here in whatever location you're at. We are one church in four locations. But I, I have to tell you, I've been the pastor here a long time. I've been praying, praying, praying for a long time. And I'm hoping that one day God answers my prayer. And here's the prayer. Please give us some musical talent. It's, it's just, I think it would be good for our church if we could just get a little musical talent here. Don't you agree? And it's, it's not just here in Plymouth. It's, it's at all of our campuses, Celine and Grosseal and Brighton. I mean, the investment that's being made, the gifts that have been given. And, and just so you know, whether you're a regular attender or a guest, everything we do here is pointed at one mission. We want to wake the world up to Jesus because he's the hope of the world, and that's why we do this. We are in this series called Relationship Stuff. It's exactly what it sounds like. It's just dealing with and talking about and having a conversation about all the stuff involved with doing relationships. And it's not like one seamless, beautiful talk each weekend, like I could ever give one of those. It's more a bunch of stuff about relationships that we're throwing out there. And I'm sure that there can be some catalytic, inspiring principle out of the many we talk about that that's what you need exactly what God has for you during this season of your life in all the different areas of your relationship. And so as I go through this talk, I don't want you to think that I believe everything I'm about to say is absolutely what you need, but I do know there are things I'm going to say that you desperately need, and, and I want to encourage you to take it with you, to work it into your life and relationship, and watch God work. Over the course of the years, I've, I've discovered that the quality of our lives is ultimately determined by the quality of our relationships. That's just the way it is. If our relationships are healthy, then our lives tend to be healthy, to be lived with quality. And this is true in every relational area. The, the quality of our work relationships ultimately determines the quality of our work life. You can have your dream job, the job that you were born for, created for, designed for, the, the job that you've prepared for, the job that you would rather have than any other job in the world, but if your work relationships are broken and dysfunctional and destructive, then the quality of your work life will be dark be awful. The quality of our relationships determines the quality of our life. The truth is that the quality of our family relationships determines the quality of our family life. It's, it's just the way it is in this world. The quality of our community relationships determines the quality of our community life. So in the end, when you boil it all down to the essence, we're all looking for and longing for healthy relationships, quality relationships in every arena of our lives. Unfortunately, more often than not, we don't understand what it takes to build a healthy relationship. We, we don't understand what lies at the heart of a healthy relationship. And I know this because I have my own self-talk and I certainly hear the conversations that we all have about relationships. And it, it all points to believing in the wrong thing as it relates to making a healthy relationship. I, there are people who, and I have thought this as well, who will look at others who have these great relationships, whether in work relationship or family relationship, great, and, and will think, man, why did they get so lucky? You need to know, luck does not build healthy relationships. In our conversations with one another, when we see someone who just seems to have the relationships of their life all in place in most of the arenas of their life, we'll, we'll say, 
Don't you wish you had been given the circumstances they were given? Don't you wish you had been given the opportunities they were given so that you could have the relationships they have? And you need to know it's not circumstances that build a healthy relationship. I've been given at times really great relationships in really great circumstances and I've been able to destroy those too, haven't you? It's not circumstances that makes a healthy relationship. There are others, you know, a lot of times this isn't a part of our conversation, but, but I know when I'm looking without, it's like, have you ever seen people who have their relationships clicking? And it's in every area of their life. But, but doesn't it just look that life is better for them? Doesn't it look like they always feel good? I mean, all the music industry is getting rich off of this idea. I feel good, you know, you know. By the way, that's the best I can do. Sorry, I mean, it's about, it's about the best I can do with that. Well, all this stuff about the feelings of love and the feelings of this and the feelings of this, and I don't know about you, but I'm always on the outside of those feelings, wanting them but not experiencing them. It's like, I wish life was built on a feeling. You need to know. Healthy, quality relationships that determine healthy and quality lives are not produced by feelings. It's not feelings. It's not luck. It's not circumstances. It's not feelings that make healthy relationships. Are you ready? This is really important. It's choice. And this is really important because, you see, Luck changes, and circumstances change, and feelings change. But we always have within our grasp the ability to make choice. So as we continue in relationship stuff, here's the truth that I want you to see. Healthy relationships are built by choice. Choice. This is where they come from. And just so you know, this isn't like Brad talk, this is God reality. Let's look at what he says. Just a couple of verses. I could have pulled so many more. Proverbs 17, 17. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. Did you pull it all out of there? No, it doesn't say healthy relationships are built by choice, but it's saying healthy relationships are built by choice. A friend loves at all times. At all times. Not when luck is good, not when circumstances are good, not when the feelings are good, at all times. It says a brother is born for times of adversity, which means when luck is bad and things are going wrong, when circumstances are down and not going right, when feelings are off the charts bad, that's when a brother really loves because healthy relationships are built by choice. Proverbs 18, 24, one who has unreliable friends, not because they've got bad luck, not because they've got bad circumstances, not because they've got bad feelings, but because they've chosen friends who don't choose to do the right things in relationships. One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin. I just need to say this. This is an aside. It matters who you surround yourself with at work in your community, in your social life, in your friendships, certainly in your family, it matters. One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. What makes them stick closer? I bet you you can guess after what I've said so far. Can you guess? Choice. Three of you have been listening. Thank you, it's awesome. It's terrific. By the way, I get it. The service was over when the choir left the platform. I understand. I went to our music pastor and I said, thanks for ruining my life this weekend. And he looked at me and I'm not kidding. This is how spiritual we are up here. He said, sucks to be you. <laughs> and it was funny because then I said, you're fired. And, uh... Am I talking about quality and healthy relationships? It doesn't feel like it right now, but. One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. What makes them stick? Choice, choice. 
And it's not just friendships and work relationships. It's even in that most intimate of relationship called marriage. Look what Jesus says, Matthew 19, 5 and 6. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. It's by choice they give their life entirely to another, both the man and the woman. And the two will become, by choice, one flesh. By the way, you can be in marriage for five decades and never become one and never build a healthy relationship. You see, it's not the circumstance, it's the choice. And this says, so they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. It's a healthy relationships are built by choice. And I thought before I talk about some of the choices we could make, if we're going to experience relationships in a healthier and more enjoyable way in our lives, then maybe I should give you just a couple of pictures of this, okay? So the first picture, first example of a, a relationship deal would be Jonathan with David. One of the things I love about Northridge is not all of us are like, you know, Bible scholars. Not all of us grew up in church settings or religious settings of any kind. And, and so these names might not mean anything to you. David's probably known to most of you because even in the secular world, you know, you hear about David and Goliath, you know, David and Goliath. That's from the Bible. It's about this, this little boy who took down a giant because of his faith, you know, David. He became king of Israel. Jonathan, some of you might know about, but many of you might not. Jonathan was the son of the king who preceded David as king. Now, I don't know if you get this, but this is really weird. Because who is supposed to become king when one king passes the throne on? It's not the little shepherd boy who takes down the giant, it's the son. Jonathan was the prince. Jonathan was the one in line for the throne. Jonathan was supposed to be the next king, but God didn't give the kingdom to Jonathan. He took it away from Saul, took it away from Jonathan because of Saul's messed up life. That was Jonathan's dad and gave it to David. And Jonathan with David, this is one of history's great, great relationships and it should have never happened. Because you see, if it happened like most relationships do, when someone starts taking my dream and someone starts taking what I have a right to and someone starts taking my journey and adventure to happiness, when someone takes the job that I've been built for and I want and I've leveraged for, I don't want to be their friend, I want to take them out. Don't you? This is how the world works. This is how the marketplace works. We, we even do this in our family context. It's crazy. So. David got Jonathan's right, his throne. And yet these two were unbelievable friends. There was more to this story because King Saul hated David with a passion and made it his life's quest to kill David. And you know, fathers have a lot of influence over their sons. And so Jonathan had all the influence of his dad to want to take David out. But instead, Jonathan and David became best friends. Luck wasn't on their side. Circumstances wasn't on their side. Feelings weren't on their side. But they still had this thing, this one thing that all of us have that really is the key to healthy relationships, choice. And they made it. Look at 1 Samuel. It says in chapter 18, verse 3, and then 19, 1 and 2, and Jonathan made a promise covenant, a choice with David because he really loved him as himself. That's what kind of friends they were. And, and King Saul told his son Jonathan and all those he had power over, you know, all his soldiers and tenants to kill David. But Jonathan had taken a great liking to David. He had chosen him as a friend. And so Jonathan warned him. Healthy relationships are built by choice. Hey, there's one more picture I'll give you, and this is the easy one. This is what every pastor does when he wants to prove he's absolutely right and you can't argue with him. He turns to Jesus. You just say Jesus, the whole thing's done, right? So, so the second picture is Jesus with us. Jesus with us. Romans chapter 5, verse 8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We have the opportunity, each and every one of us, to have a relationship with God that is life-defining, that is hope-defining, that is 
that is the center of all the fullness that we're looking for. But you need to know we have that opportunity only because of Jesus' choices. He didn't have much luck if you look at Jesus' life, right? If you look at it from a human perspective, this dude, <laughs> he had all the power in the world and yet he got hung on a cross. That's dick. It's pretty unlucky. Circumstances weren't all that great. Good night. Here he was, supposedly the king of kings, and he, when he was born, there was no room in the inn. This dude didn't have anything. He had poor parents, impoverished thing. They had to run to Egypt. His whole life was a mess. Circumstances weren't good for Jesus. You know, the feelings weren't there. I mean, good night. All you have to do is look at one of the stories of his life. You know, they pounded him to death, then pounded nails in his arms and his feet and hung him on a cross. I'm sorry, it's just not a feel-good kind of a deal, but he still built this unbelievable relationship potential for us with God, and how did he do it? By choice. God demonstrates his own love for us in this while we were still sinners, running from him, hating him, denying him, saying he doesn't exist, thinking that doing what we want will lead to greater happiness than doing what he wants for us. When we were his enemies, he chose to give himself for us, to die for us. Healthy choices are what lead to healthy relationships. So let's take that truth and let's Let's apply it to our settings and see if it works for us in the 21st century. The application is simple. If we want to experience and enjoy healthy relationships, then we have to, wow, we have to make the choice. But the choice to do what? Well, give me, I'll give you a couple ideas. We, we need to make the choice to serve rather than being served. That's the choice that builds healthy relationships. You know, unhealthy relationships are built upon the idea that I'm doing everything in my power to get you to meet my needs. I'm leveraging everything I have to try and get you to serve my interests, to make my life better, to make my life comfortable. And when you don't, hey, it's done for us. You do know when we stand on the platform and even get married in the context of a wedding, very often, all we're trying to do is leverage for the return. I mean, I'm not going to stand there and say, look, whether you're rich or poor, whether you're sick or healthy, you know, until death do us part, I'm with you. But you do whatever you want. No, I'm leveraging for the same commitment back. And so here we have to understand that we have to truly make the choice to serve rather than being served if we're going to make healthy choices. Now, there's wisdom that has to come with that that I'll talk about in a minute, but look what Jesus says, Mark 10, 45, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And then he applies it to us, John 13, 34, a new command I give you, love one another. Not in the way you're used to loving, you know, serve to get served, but love as I've loved you. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And how did he love? Not to be served, but to serve. And I, and I don't know about you, but I, I listen to stuff like this. I, I hear talks too, you know, like this. I sit and listen to this and I go, I, I, you know, I do that. I do that. I know, I know what you're doing. You know, yeah, I do that. I'm, I serve rather than being served. And you're thinking of those moments that you've done that, maybe recent ones. But, but sometimes I do this, if I'm honest, but with the wrong motivations and attitudes. See if you can relate to me here. I mean, I mean, I serve, yeah, rather than being served, but I want credit. Are you like this? No, no kidding. I mean, I'll serve and I'll put myself out for people and all that, but, but I want to be noticed. I want the proverbial gold star, dude. And if I don't get it, whew, you'll get yours. So the question is, am I really serving rather than being served, or am I using a moment of serving someone else to get what I want? That's not serving rather than being served. Our motivations really do matter. You want to make the right choice to have healthy relationships, you have to make the choice to serve rather than being served. You, you want to make the right choices. You want to enjoy and experience healthy relationships. Then you need to make the choice to think right thoughts. You have to make the choice to think right thoughts. And don't pass this off as, oh, here he goes. He's giving us a little positive attitude hype. No, 
This is absolute fact, and it's biblical. Uh, let me give it to you in, in human story form first, and then I'll give it to you in Bible passage form. I mean, because our thoughts towards each other really do make a huge difference. Think about the difference in the thoughts of a couple in premarital counseling towards each other and the thoughts of a couple in divorce court towards each other. You know they're different, right? But it's the same two people. I'm, I'm a pastor. I've been with people when they've been getting ready for marriage and I've been with those same people as they've been in divorce court. I, so it's not a difference in people to different in thoughts. In fact, here's the thing, the soon-to-be married couple. I mean, they think the best of each other. They see each other through the best of possible ways. As fact, as someone who used to do premarital counseling, I just need you to know there, there were times I was gagging in my mouth. Other <laughs> <laughs> the most precious human being alive. Never been another person like this on the planet. I don't care that they've ruined the last 12 marriages they've had. This person is awesome. I don't know why I used that voice. It had nothing to do with anything. I don't know. But let me just tell you right now. That's how they come into it. They're seeing each other through the best of eyes, whether the person deserves it or not. And let me just tell you, no person is that perfect. Okay, I was. But most people aren't. And then people in the divorce court, oh my gosh, they see each other through the worst of eyes. I mean, there's nothing good about this person. I mean, I've heard it. It's like they'd say, I'm going to tell you, Brad, this person mentored Satan. You know, I mean, that's, it's, whoa, wow, that's pretty bad. They see each other through the first possible ways. And it's the same two people. And you know what happens in the marketplace, right? I mean, I, I'm in the marketplace. I'm a, a leader. I lead an organization. I get this. It's the same. Think of the difference in the way an, em, an employer and an employee see each other at the start of a relationship and at the end of a relationship. Man, the thoughts are very different. Here's what I want you to see. Please get this. This is so important. We're letting... We're letting the circumstances that we've experienced and the feelings that have developed influence how we think about them. But that's not what builds a healthy relationship. What builds a healthy relationship? Choice. Yikes. We need to make choice the determining factor. Look at Philippians 4.8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. What's the choice that leads to a healthy relationship? The choice to think right thoughts. Now, now don't apply this the wrong way. Thinking right thoughts means that I should not be thinking overly optimistic thoughts about the perfection of the person that I'm in relationship with. I need to see them through the lens of reality. They're flawed. They've blown it. They'll blow it again. The question is, have they, have they shown the capacity to acknowledge that they've blown it? Have they shown the capacity to repent? Have they shown the capacity to... to to turn around? Have they shown that? If not, then this is a person who denies their own imperfections and they will bring destruction into your life. I promise you this. You need to, you need to think the right thoughts. And it's also not thinking the right thoughts it has nothing to do with being overly pessimistic. There is something positive even in the worst of individuals on this planet because God ultimately created them in the beginning in his image. There's something there and we have to think right thoughts. That's a choice. 
Has nothing to do with luck, has nothing to do with circumstances, has nothing to do with feelings, has everything to do with choice. And look at how Jesus says it, Philippians 2, 5 and 8. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset, way of thinking that Christ Jesus had, who humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. Do you think Jesus looked down and said, those people are so awesome, I want to go down and hang out with them. No, he said, those people are so messed up, they don't have a prayer unless I go and pay the price for them for the wages of sin is death and I'll die in their place. He saw through the lens of reality who we were, but he knew what we could become because he had created us. And so he paved the way for us to be able to have a relationship with God. He died for our sins so we could be forgiven for them. But even God doesn't enter a relationship with us as much as he longs for it until we're willing to acknowledge our guilt and repent and turn to him. You see, we have to think right thoughts if we're going to build healthy relationships. If we're going to experience and enjoy healthy relationships that last, we need to make the choice to act in loving ways. To act in loving ways. I haven't said this for years and years and years, but, but it's still true. And so I thought in this context, it might help. The grass is not greener on that side of the fence and the grass is not greener on that side of the fence. The grass is greener where we water it. And for those of you who are younger, can I just say, Justin Bieber did not invent that saying. I know it's a lyric in one of his songs, I get it. Here's what you need to know. He stole it from his grandpa. I'm telling you right now, sure is the world. But it's biblical. Look at 1 John 3, 18. Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and truth, we need to act in loving ways. Jesus did. He didn't feel like it. I mean, read his prayer in the garden where he says, God, is there any other way? Can you take this cup from me? Could I? I don't want to do it. But then he says, but I'm not going to act upon my feelings. I'm going to act upon my commitment, my promise, I'm going to act in loving ways. Jesus didn't go to the cross feeling like it. Jesus went to the cross because he loved enough to take the loving actions required. Healthy relationships are built by choice. And if I'm going to act in loving ways, then come on, we have to stop learning love from music. Right, I, I mean, I'm gonna tell you, sometimes music gets it right, usually it's crap. That's just the way, now the music's good, don't get me wrong. Just don't listen to the words sometimes because it doesn't have a clue about what love is. But if you wanna know what love is, let's look what God says it is. You wanna act in loving ways? Look at 1 Corinthians 13, starting with verse four. Love is patient. You wanna act in loving ways? You have to make the choice to be what? Ouch. <laughs> That hurts. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Love never fails. We need to act in loving ways. We need to act our way into feeling rather than trying to feel our way into acting. If I wait until I feel like doing something loving, I will never get there. But if I act out love, sometimes feelings catch up to it. And then I can start saying feelings. You know, I mean, it's great. But you don't start there, you might end there. And can I give you this note? There's nothing wrong with feelings. I know some people have been sitting here listening to this talk the whole time and going, yeah, but I'm a more of a feeler. I'm a feeler. These feel, I, mean, how, I mean, what are you, a robot? I'm supposed to be a robot? I'm not supposed to have feelings? No, there's nothing wrong with feelings. Truth is, God gave us the capacity for feelings, and feelings can be an awesome part of the experience of life, but feelings aren't meant to lead us. Feelings aren't meant to be the determination of our actions. 
Feelings are meant to be follow-ons. And we're supposed to process feelings as a moment of evaluation. Am I feeling this way because something's wrong, because I've done something wrong, because something's wrong in this environment? Or feelings are meant to help us to enjoy what's going on, but feelings are not the leaders. Choice is the leader. Do you see it? If I'm going to really experience and enjoy healthy relationships that last, then, then I have to make the choice to bear with and forgive others. I, we have to bear with and forgive each other. We have to make the choice. And just so you know, <laughs> Justin Bieber's not the only one who stole lyrics. Look at, I, I stole this right from the Bible, Colossians 3.13. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. I don't know if you see this, but I, I read the Bible. I, I try to read the Bible not as some mystical book, but as a real book, because it is. And, and I, I, you know, the Bible is one of the funniest books in the, on the planet. I mean, do you see it? He says, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any one of you has a grievance against it. If any one of you has a grievance, ha! Do you live on this planet? If. We all have grievances. And what are we supposed to do with them? Bear with each other, forgive one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Now this is two-sided. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. How did the Lord forgive? By the choice and the act of his will, even though we were his enemies. Look at Luke 23, 34. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. There he was beaten to death and hung on a cross, nailed there. And they were gambling over his clothes without a concern for him. And what did Jesus do? By the act of will, he says, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Bear with and forgive each other for sure. But you need to understand that most of those people who rejected Jesus in that day, most of those people who were gambling over his clothes, most of those people who were a part of this, though Jesus prayed for them to be forgiven and he was willing to bear with them and, and forgive them. And remember, we're supposed to do the same thing as the Lord forgave us. Most of them never experienced forgiveness and most of them never experienced the, a walk with God or a relationship with God because you can't experience God's forgiveness even when he's made it possible until you're willing to acknowledge your guilt, repent of it, and turn away from that and entrust to him. And most of these people didn't do it. And the same is true in our relationships. We need to be willing to bear with and forgive just as the Lord's forgiven us. But that doesn't mean someone hurts us and hurts us and hurts us and hurts us and robs us and robs us and robs us and robs us and breaks promise and breaks promise and breaks promise that we just keep bearing with them and forgiving them with no responsibility on them. Wrong. Because it is true. Choice is the key to building healthy relationships. But we can't make the choice to be the sucker who gets robbed all the time, we have to say, I'm willing to bear with and forgive you, but I am not going to let you hurt me again until you start making the same choice in my life. This is really important. <laughs> to bear with and to forgive is essential because we're all flawed. Without forgiveness, our flaws and failures become final. They create endings. But with forgiveness, we have the potential to find pathways to new beginnings. It doesn't mean they will become pathways to new beginnings in relationships. For example, many of those Jesus was dying to forgive never changed because they never repented and so they never experienced the benefit of that relationship and the same has to be true with us. Think about it at work. You can bear with and forgive an employee or an employer who's blown it, who then acknowledges and repents of it and, and agrees to be in a process of proving their change, but, but you keep a close eye on them. I mean, if they stole money, you don't continue giving them access to the money, right? And yeah, we have people listening to a talk like this and they're going, hey, I know this person's a scoundrel. I know this person's betrayed everybody who's ever been a part of their life. I know this and I know that. But hey, I have to bear with and forgive them. We just got to just bring them in and embrace and just take it. No, you don't. Yes, you have to bear with and forgive. But 
but you don't have to put yourself at risk. In family, bearing with and forgiving a person doesn't mean being stupid. You don't marry a person who's proven themselves to be untrustworthy in the past. You don't marry a person who's continually betrayed everyone they've ever been in relationship with, but hey, they've changed because they say they've changed. You don't trust a kid who keeps doing wrong to do right until they've repented and changed and proved the change. And it certainly doesn't mean that you put up with and allow yourself to be put in danger, being physically abused or hurt in some way. You can and you should forgive, but you don't put yourself at risk. Listen, ever. As with our relationship with God, without repentance and then life change, there can't be genuine relationships, not healthy ones. And so we have to make the right choice. If we're going to experience and enjoy healthy relationships that last, we must make the choice to experience God's love in the end. And I feel the weight in the room right now. I get it. We're all trying to process our own issues and what it means in our lives, and it's hard and it's difficult, I know. I'm one of you. But it all boils down to this. If I'm going to build healthy relationships in this world that's so flawed and so messed up, filled with so many people with flaws, so messed up, and me being so flawed and so messed up, there's only one way it's possible. I've got to make the choice to experience God's love. Because when I experience God's love, I finally have the pattern set for me and I finally have the pathway created for me to know how to and be able to love myself. Look at 1 John 4, 8 and 19. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love, but we can love because he first loved us. And how do we experience God's love? Remember, healthy relationships are built on choice. So how do we experience God's love? How do we experience it? By choosing it. You know what religion tries to do? It tries to teach us that it can be chosen for us. You were born this. You were born that. You're born an American, so you're, you're this. And no, no, no. There's only one way you can have a relationship with God and experience his love, and, and that's by choosing it. He's already chosen you. That's done deal. Now you've got to choose him. And how do we do it? By choosing to receive his love. That's how. Look at John 1.12. Yet to all who did not receive, who, all, who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, put their trust in what he did for them, he gave the right to become children of God. You want to experience God's love? You, you need to choose to receive it. Have you? Just before I end this talk, and it's going to end in just a couple minutes, and I have this foundational principle I want to share with you, but just before we go there, would you bow with me in a word of prayer just for a moment? And as we pray, I just really want to encourage you, if you already have a relationship with God, you've experienced his love, why don't you talk to him about the choices you've been making? But if you're here and you're ready to choose to receive his love, why don't you pray with me? Choose to take the words of this prayer right now I'm going to pray and make them your words from your heart to God. In, in your heart, just say, Jesus, I, I'm choosing to receive you right now. I've, I have sinned, I'm guilty, I've blown it, I'm a mess. But I believe that you died on that cross to forgive me of my sin, and I believe that you rose again to give me new life, and I'm choosing by faith to become your child. In Jesus' name, amen. Just before I give you this last thought, if you prayed with me, would you let us know? I, it's so easy. We've made it easy. If you're in one of our campus environments, you can take out this program that we gave to you when you came in. Inside, there's a connection card. It's just, it's easy rip out thing. Just fill it out. Check off either you prayed to receive Jesus for the first time or to renew your faith. And we want to give you a Bible. We want to give you a, information about next steps you can take. And if you're watching online, hit the what next button. We'll do that for you. If you're here in our campus setting, there are boxes at every exit. Just throw it in there. But if we're going to experience God's love, once we've chosen to receive it, look what Jesus says we have to do next, John 15, 9. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you, Jesus says. Now remain in my love. How do we experience God's love? By choosing to receive it and then by choosing to remain 
in it. Earlier, we sang a song here in Plymouth that kind of ended this way. Even when I don't see you working, I know you're working. And even when I don't feel your presence, I know you're present. Even when life isn't lucky and circumstances aren't good and I feel the darkness, yet will I praise you, yet will I know that you're working and that you're there. I'm going to remain in your love. It's a choice. And too many of us leave God because of bad luck and leave God because of bad circumstances and leave God because of bad feelings and we blame God for it all. And it all boils down to this. He didn't leave us when he was hanging on the cross. And if we don't experience him, it's because we've chosen to leave him. We need to remain in his love. And this is the beautiful thing. Choice we always have in our relationship with God and our relationship with one another. And it's a good thing because healthy relationships are built by choice. Let's make the right choices. And I just want to encourage you next weekend, we actually end this series called Relationship Stuff and I've held in reserve the last talk. It's, it's called Be Aware. And I'm going to be talking about all the pitfalls that come into our relationships and all the arenas of our life that can take us down. And there are a bunch of them, but we don't have to be taken down by them. Why don't we come, be a part of it, invite others, and make our relationships great? The choice is yours. I hope you'll make it. We'll see you next time. Thanks, everybody.